Well, again, uh, good morning to everyone and special welcome again to those of you who are visiting. We're glad to have you here on this Sunday. And if you are just joining us, then you're at the end of a series that we have been uh, walking through in the book of Revelation, not the entire book, but uh, over the past couple of months looking at the seven letters uh, to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Uh, where Jesus sends letters to these churches, writing these letters, speaking words of love to these churches. And not just specifically to these churches, but to the church for all time, uh, everywhere. And Jesus, as we have heard, has spoken both um, correction uh, as well as commendation uh, to these churches. And we've been in Revelation 2 and 3. And so today, as we conclude, we're going to uh, consider the bookends of Revelation. Uh, What holds together the message, the messages that went to these churches, that comes to us? Uh, What is the, the backdrop behind all that we have heard over these past couple of months? You see, the the whole of Revelation is it's bracketed by a prologue and an epilogue. And it's, it's very helpful in understanding how the book unfolds. Uh, the, the prologue, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 8. And then the epilogue, chapter 22, verses 6 to 21. And that's going to be our primary text in chapter 22. And what the prologue and the epilogue do is that they place the larger vision. Uh, the larger vision of the cosmic Jesus, of his victory, of his reign, into, into a very definite framework. And with, within this framework, as one commentator notes, the primary exhortation is this. Listen and look. Listen and look. Listen to the word of God. For it is trustworthy and true. And look. Look to Jesus. Look at Jesus with the eyes of your heart, with the eyes of faith. Now, with regard to hearing and seeing, I want to note that literally the title of of this book, The Revelation, literally it's The Apocalypse. Now, unfortunately today we often hear that word and we think, oh great, doom and gloom. But that is not at all what a first century hearer would have heard. Rather, they would have heard disclosure, an unveiling. So just looking at the very beginning, the very first verse, chapter 1, verse 1, it begins the revelation of Jesus Christ or the apocalypse of Jesus Christ or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. So revelation pulling back a curtain so that we might see unseen realities. It's kind of like when Clark Kent pulls open his shirt to reveal the S. And whether you noticed it or not, the unseen reality that has been before you all the time is Superman. And so when we we read Revelation or any part of it, uh, as one pastor says, we must do so with this foundational conviction. Things are not as they seem. Or more so, more accurately, things are not only as they seem. 
there is more than meets the eye. So Revelation 22, uh, verses 6 to 21, again, that's our primary text. If you're using the Bible uh, under the chair in front of you, it's on page 1042. But we're going to be looking at Revelation uh, 22 alongside chapter 1, so if you want to mark that, I'm going to begin reading in chapter 1 uh, and then roll over into chapter 22. But before we hear God's word, let's take a moment to pray. We look to you this morning, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you are the word. And we pray this morning as we finish this part of a journey through Revelation, Lord, that you would open our eyes to the unseen realities around us, the bedrock truths in which our, our faith is rooted. Lord, that you would convince our hearts more and more of this good news. And so we look to you to do that great work in us, teaching us and transforming us. And we ask it all in your name. Amen. And so now I invite you to hear the word of God from the book of Revelation, uh, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. And then continuing in chapter 22, verse 6. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, the church in Ephesus, in Smyrna, in Pergamum, in Thyatira, in Sardis, in Philadelphia, in Laodicea, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. The firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold. He is coming. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Chapter 22, verse 6. And the angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. 
I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say come. And let the one who hears say come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. And this is the word of God. And it is given to us for our good and ultimately for his glory. And so let's turn to it now. Well, when studying or teaching on Revelation, one of my, my favorite seminary professors, uh, Daryl Johnson, would jokingly and yet honestly uh, begin with two presuppositions that I share. One, I believe what John believes. Two, I'm not always sure what John believes. Well, much of what you're going to hear today has been heavily influenced uh, by Daryl, to whom I am grateful for having first really opened up uh, the book of Revelation uh, for me. And so this morning, as we consider the bookends of Revelation, the, the prologue and the epilogue, we're going to do so, again, with that foundational conviction that things are not only as they seem. And so with that, let's take a look at two unseen realities that hold this larger vision of Revelation together. First, Jesus is coming. Second, the time is near. Jesus is coming. The time is near. So chapter 1, uh, verse 7, Behold, he is coming. 
And then our chapter, chapter 22, verse 7, verse 12, verse 20, Jesus himself says, I am coming soon. This is the very first statement about Jesus in the book of Revelation. Also, the last statement that Jesus makes about himself in the book. And they're clearly both very clear declarations. Jesus is coming. So what does this mean? Well, the story is told of a group of seminary students and a janitor. Now, the students uh, were for a season playing uh, basketball in a nearby high school gym. Uh, While they played, the the janitor, who had graciously allowed them into the gym after hours, uh, he would borrow one of their Bibles and spend that hour reading it. One day, one of the young men asked the janitor, So, what have you been reading in the Bible? And he said, Revelation. The seminarian chuckled, said, yeah, right. No, really, said the janitor. Now, having heard one of his professors say that no one really understands this strange book, the seminarian asked, so do you understand what you've been reading? Oh, yes, replied the janitor, now smiling. Well, chuckling again, the seminarian, now a bit sarcastic, well then, tell me what it means. So, looking to his right and to his left, the janitor leaned into the seminarian's ear and said, it means Jesus is going to win. Jesus is going to win. In fact, Jesus has already won. Amen? Jesus has already won, defeating Satan, defeating sin, defeating death on the cross on our behalf, in love for us, and to the glory of his Father. Jesus is coming because Jesus has won. Again, Revelation 1, verse 7, behold, he is coming. Chapter 22, verses 7, 12, 20, Jesus himself, I am coming soon, I am coming soon, I am coming soon. Now, notice the way that these phrases, these declarations are worded. Notice the present progressive tense. Not will come, but is coming. Jesus is coming. In other words, it is a process that is already in progress. He's on his way right now. At this very moment, Jesus is not passively standing off at a distance. He is actively moving toward us now. Now, you hear that, and and maybe you think to yourself, "Uh, I I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, come on. If he really is, why doesn't he just burst onto the scene? I mean, look at the world. Would you just come back? I don't know why he doesn't. I don't know. I do pray that he would. I wish that he would, but I, I don't know why he doesn't. But what I do know is this. He's coming. He's on his way. Now, we're just a week away from December. And as we come up on December, as happens every year, uh, children uh, around the world began to anticipate something, in particular in our home country. And the commercials, I mean, they're already on TV. Santa Claus. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's coming. 
Now, think about it for a moment. What does this do for, for a little boy or a little girl who believes in Santa? Well, it fills their hearts with anticipation, joy, and hope, regardless of their circumstance. I mean, their little hearts are sure of what they hope for and certain of what they do not see. And it's sustained and it's intensified day after day as the time of Santa's arrival draws near. How much more than the reality of Christmas? How much more than the Christ of Christmas? should fill our hearts with anticipation, with joy, with hope. Because Jesus is coming, and that's not fiction. But we've got to see it. And we've got to see to believe. And so that's why John, that's why John says, listen. Listen to the word of God and look. Look with the eyes of faith. Because things are not only as they seem. Take heart. Jesus is coming. Aslan is on the way. He's on the move. So that's the the first unseen reality. The reality that Jesus is coming. Moving toward us right now. On the move. Active at work. So the second unseen reality, the time is near. Bookending Revelation as well, chapter 1, verse 3, the time is near. Chapter 22, verse 10, the time is near. Now, during first service, when I got to this point, I noticed somebody checked their watch. And I I didn't know if they were hoping that that meant the time of the sermon was nearing an end. I didn't ask. I saw them later, and I promise I will not call them out. Um... But, but seriously, does it really feel that way, the time is near? I mean, no, it doesn't. I mean, we, we, we see something happen like in the Philippines. We, we think of the own uh, disasters and, and, and tragic things in our own lives or in the lives of, of those we know. Really? The time is near? Why, why would John say this? Where would he come up with this? Where, where does this conviction come from? Well, it comes from Jesus. Jesus, whose first words at the start of his public ministry were, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Mark 1, 15. And then in Revelation, John uses the same word for near that Jesus used in his first public proclamation. The time is near. Now back to my friend and professor, Daryl Johnson. He puts it this way. Jesus comes on the scene and announces that in him there is a change in government. A new world order is being inaugurated. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. And then several years later, John is told, verse 10, he's told not to seal up the words of this prophecy, for the time is near. Now, not only does John echo back to Jesus and Jesus' first public proclamation. But there is also an echo back way into the Old Testament, back to Daniel. This instruction to John echoes Daniel 12.4, where the prophet is told, 
to seal up the book until the end of time. Okay, do, do you hear that? Do you see what's going on right here? Daniel was told to seal up the book, and John is told not to seal it up. Daniel was told to seal up the book until the end of time. And John is told not to seal it because now is the time. Do not seal the book. Now is the time. The time is near. And time for what? Time for the kingdom of God. Time for the fullness of the inbreaking of God's kingdom. Time for all things made new. You see, the kingdom has come near because the king is near. And because the king is always near, the time for the final inbreaking of the new creation is always near. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God at his first coming. And Jesus will usher in the fullness of that kingdom at his second coming, his second advent. In fact, we celebrate this great unseen reality each year. The upcoming season of Advent begins next Sunday. Our heart's deepest longing is for the Christ of Christmas, for the arrival of the Christ. We most deeply yearn for the return of Jesus. And that time is near. Okay, think about it this way. So John, John has written a lot in the New Testament. In an earlier letter, 1 John, uh, which is where we'll be in the new year, 1 John, the Apostle John, in, writes this. The darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. The darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Well, what this verse does is it explains the, the final way that Jesus refers to himself. Did you catch the last title? You know, Jesus gives titles to himself. Did you catch the last title that he gives to himself? Take a look, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Why this title? Why not the, the Ancient of Days or the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Living Word, the Word of Life? Why the bright morning star? Well, the reason is that it, it captures, it embraces a tension, a, a, a tension that is so pregnant in this phrase that we're considering. The time is near. Again, those words from 1 John, the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Okay, here's the deal, as it's been described to me. The morning star. The morning star, when the night has reached its greatest degree of darkness, the morning star only appears then. Indeed, the, the, the morning star, it only appears 
when the night has hit that, that greatest degree of darkness. And although it is still dark, although it may still be three or four hours until daybreak, if you see the morning star, you know that the night is over, that the time is near. In his book, Idols of Our Time, uh, here's how an economist uh, from the Netherlands, uh, Bob Goodsward, puts it. The morning star often appears between 2 and 3 at night. When the darkness is complete and the faintest sign of morning is not yet visible, so small that it threatens to vanish, the, the star seems unable to vanquish the overpowering darkness. Yet, when you see the morning star, you know that the night has been defeated. For the morning star pulls the morning in behind it just as certainly as Jesus pulls the kingdom in behind him. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. But again, we've got to see it. We have to have our eyes opened. We've got to see to believe. And so John, again, John says, listen. Listen to the word of God. And look. Look to Jesus. Look at Jesus with the eyes of your heart, with the eyes of faith. Because things are not only as they seem. No matter what you are facing, what you will ever face, no matter how painful, how discouraging, how humiliating, how frustrating the circumstance may be, Things are not only as they seem. There is more than meets the eye. The revelation of Jesus Christ was given to Christ's church, given to us, that we might be filled with anticipation, with joy, with hope. But we've got to see. And what we need to see is what the janitor got right. Jesus has already won. And so, brothers and sisters, let us listen to our God. Let us look with the eyes of faith and take heart. Take heart knowing that Jesus is coming, that the time is near, and that together we can cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, come. And so let's pray that right now. Please join me. Lord Jesus, we do. We look to you now. And, and, and we confess, I, I confess myself that these are good words. And yet they're hard to believe. Would you open the eyes of our hearts? Would you open our ears to hear? Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Convince our hearts that you are coming, that you are coming soon, that the time is near, that we might be filled with, with anticipation and with joy and with hope. And so we pray, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.